You are listening to Primetime Flies, a Channel 101 podcast where time flies and we talk with all sorts of Primetime Channel 101 and Frequency 101 people, creators, writers, actors, directors. And the point is to get to know these wonderful people and we'll learn more about their craft, certainly their relationship with Channel 101. And I'll use my time to shower them with much deserved appreciation, affection and gratitude for their work. It's July 2nd. You're listening to episode one of Primetime Flies. Primetime being a term that you should know if you're listening to this. I am a Canadian by the name of Todd Donald, who by other accounts is a 101-er, and I do make shows on Frequency 101. But by my own account, I'm just a longtime fan. A big fan of the people who make the shows, both creatively and as people. And I just want to hang out and talk about shit with you in person but i'm in lieu of being able to do this i i'll ask people for an hour or so of their time and then i publish it here on prime time flies i'd like to start off by stating that if you found this podcast you immediately get the benefit of the doubt and don't need an explanation of what channel 101 is for the rest of you thanks for being here and please feel free to be the kind of nerd i was a decade ago visit channel101.com watch all of it or uh visit the facebook page and it's all there go hog wild uh in each episode i'm gonna do my best to bookend the conversations by rattling off upcoming one-on-one stuff you might need to know like we're this far from the next screening submit your pilots by this date check out those twitch streams follow us on that however it's early in the month and you can obviously follow at channel 101 official on instagram and get the most up-to-date shit you need at this time i'll also go like hey there's a patreon you should support it's very affordable and it gets you subscribed to the channel 101 patreon podcast surfing through time now bump this fist and go do that it's a great podcast and you're supporting a great non-for-profit anyway you might know me from the todd donald show where i've spent the last year delighted to be talking with all kinds of wonderful 101ers past to present the only logical conclusion was to give it its own podcast and they're letting me do this officially for 101 delighted to again now i recorded this convo with wade randolph almost two months ago but i think it still stands we're hanging out with wade and we're talking about creative stuff 101 stuff uh his experiences at the beginning which is pretty much when he started making shows jane 05 is when man to man happened he's acted in over a hundred episodes of stuff including yacht rock for reals cautionary tales of swords he's created legendary shows like business skateboard cop gregory shitcock pi seinfeld and of course don't forget his solo classic murder town he's got a long-running podcast called real life sci-fi he co-hosts with willie roberts uh he sidekicks a more recent podcast called i hate myself with fallout boys joe troman you've heard of his you've heard his voice and or writing on great fucking shows like uncle grandpa web soup 12 forever rick and morty and more i find him personally hilarious and dynamite just as a human being to talk to and i'm glad i could steal some of his time for you now is my chat with the wade randolph well first of all how are you it's good it's it's all fine i'm you know i've just been inside for a year so but i like it i don't mind it right so i'm all right Recently to the day we're chatting, Savannah Nabit's Frequency 101 show, Enter the Dark, last night got voted back for episode eight or nine. You've been co-starring with Aaron Pierce and Bonnie McFarlane, Eric Bowser, and the new story arc that they're doing on this Frequency 101 show. I'll explain what yeah. that is later. 
I love hearing you on it, man. Are you enjoying that? Well, thank you. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's like I think we record for like an hour, you know, a month. So it's like no big. It's no big obligation. I'm a big anti-obligation guy, but uh, <laughs> it's easy enough that it's it's fine. And I enjoy doing voices and stuff, even though it's just my voice. I don't know. It's like uh, I've done a couple professional voice things. I'd like to do more. I don't really know how to get into that game. I was, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. And um, okay. I think I was just gonna say something stupid about how my show beat your guys's show. Oh, did it? <laughs> after the dark gotten fifth. Shit. So it's a close one. I didn't like my show in the sense of doing a second episode. I just thought like this was really fun to do shit it, I, I don't really have anything more to say with it that's one of the dangers that's always with 101 if you come up with a, a funny idea and then the audience kind of calls your bluff and makes you do a second episode and then you have to kind of scramble to figure out what you're going to do from that point on like i made a show years ago called tripping or styling and it was just a mtv what was that show it was um they had it was like a dating show and they had like a, a lie detector i can't remember right. what it was called but I just wanted to make fun of that show and I did. And then they voted me back and it was like, fuck. <laughs> and we totally ate shit on the second episode. Cause we were just like, I don't, we don't know what to do. Like we did it. We did everything we were going to do. So we got destroyed on our second episode. <laughs> I think you were talking with Aaron, Adam and Nick on another like channel one-on-one podcast about that thing about uh -huh. people who, whose spirits get killed more easily and think that you get a show canceled or just not even screened people get really upset. Yeah, I think it's a lot of like, for me, because I've been doing it for so long, I feel like I don't need, I think people who are trying to prove themselves get a lot more discouraged just because when you, do, when you don't get in the first couple of times, it feels like, oh, maybe I'm just not good at this or they don't get me or something like that. And I, I think that's the wrong way to approach like any sort of creative thing. I think like you're just supposed to make something that makes you laugh. Hopefully it connects with, other people and makes them laugh and like that that should be the goal like the whole what's the word the competitive aspect of it is like fun but i don't know that it's healthy <laughs> right i guess i i think i just spent just enough of the thing that competitive is made of to make you want to work hard to make you want to get better at doing things yeah I didn't really have a point. And the I whole, yeah, the whole getting voted back thing, it's gratifying when you get voted back and when you don't, it's like destructive. And so the, there's like, you have to have a thick skin and like, you know, if you want to be in the entertainment industry, you have to have a super thick skin because like it's constant, constant rejection. Like that's all it is. I, you know, I've been trying to sell shows and you get, you get to a certain point, like you can, They'll like pay you to write a pilot and then they'll pass on that. And every, you, you just keep getting a step further and then it always just ends up dying and you can't let it get to you. You just have to like keep making shit because like if you're creative, that's what drives you, right? Making shit. So yeah, we're going to talk about Wade. We're going to talk about Wade and Channel 101 and no particular order or sequence. Before we go, I'm going to ask that you and I team up to come up with like a list of like three reasons that someone who's on the fence about the idea of submitting has like three reasons. And it could be as arbitrary as like, just fucking do it. Don't be a wuss. <laughs> like that counts. That's a three reason. reasons to submit. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, are we doing it now? No, I was just like setting you up, trying to get myself jived. Cause I'm okay. I'll think about it. Yeah. I'm a little bit nervous. Oh, don't be nervous, man. This is uh like cool thing about podcasting during a quarantine is uh, booking guests is so much easier. We've, 
we've gotten a lot of people on real life sci-fi that uh, we've been having trouble getting just because it used to be like, you know, come over, drive for 40 minutes and come over and do it. And now it's just like, hey, if you're available at, at seven, hop on Zoom and we'll talk for a couple of hours. Yeah. And availability change is awesome. Yeah, it's great. Please enjoy this clip of Wade with Eric Acosta in Wade and Eric's next show from 2011. You get like a premium. Oh, I got it. Doorbell. That sounds like a knock knock noise. Shouldn't you be focusing on your meeting? Eric, I can't focus on my meeting when I know that there's distracting doorbells out there waking people up from their concentration naps. I can see it now. Knock knock. Who's there? The doorbell I just told you about. I can't wait to tell Marvin about this. Okay, perfect. Okay. Well. Okay, well, uh, uh, actually, oh. Uh, uh, oh. Oh, yeah. All right, you guys have a great one, huh? You're just trying to bribe that guy? Oh, I can't do it. I get all neurotic and paranoid. You know what? You should do what my cousin did and get medicinal marijuana. Medicinal marijuana? Yeah, because if I was all cool and calm, I'd be able to pull that off, right? Yeah, just when you talk to the doctor, make sure you don't act weird like... Like that. They'll never get you. The show's called Primetime Flies. It's multi-layered, I guess. Primetime, time flies. Primetime flies, like butterflies. Got it, time flies, okay. You're my first primetime flyer, and here's your the back of your baseball card based on channel101.com. As far as being screened or in primetime, you've been creator or co-creator of 58 shows, including... Gregory Shitcock, Murder Town, Bomb in the Brain, and Business. The first of which was episode one of Man to Man at the beginning of 2005, early fucking on. Most recent of which was Entre Noobs in October 2018. The longest running show was Skateboard Cop with 10 episodes, a total of 115 now acting credits. So you identify as a writer, you said, more than an actor. I think anyone like me in fucking enjoys the shit out of you acting. Your acting credits outnumber your writing like two to one almost. But part of that is uh, you, you get one created by credit and then you do 10 episodes and you get 10 acting credits. True. But yeah, I was, I, you know, early on I would do any show that people asked me to. And that was part of just like getting to know the rest of the people doing it and stuff. Like it was a very incestuous, we kind of all cannibalized each other's actors back in the yeah. day. We were all sort of like in each other's stuff. And it was I just like, that that's how we got to know each other and have fun and stuff. Oh, I totally dig that. And you know what? It's, it's Primetime Flies episode one. And I, I haven't figured out how to do math ever. Good points. I'll use this in the future episodes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I like acting. I think I'm I'm decent at it, but it's just not something that I've ever uh, aspired to do. And also, like when it when it goes up a level into like more professional stuff, I have really bad anxiety problems, and okay. so it's like not something that I uh, am like super comfortable doing. You know, right? I have like beta blockers for for things like that. Uh, just so that I'm not like just visibly shaking when I'm on camera and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I tried the acting. Th- so the acting thing was weird. Like Rob Schraub, co-founder of Channel 101, was really, he was always super nice about putting me in stuff. And so I was in like an episode of Sarah Silverman and the director really liked me and like set me up with this 
casting director who set me up with a commercial agent. And so I went and met this commercial agent. She's like, yeah, I'll rep you. Like these directors really like you and stuff. She's like, go get some headshots, send them to me. So I had my buddy, Sammy Primero. He's also a one-on-one dude. We went to his place, did some headshots. I sent, you know, some selects to her and the email got bounced back. And so in the time it took for me to get headshots, she had like lost her job. Oh. And uh, the uh, casting company or whatever they're called, the agency was like, you're on your own. We don't know. So then I was just like, OK, well, that was that. There was my uh, there was my shot. <laughs> I don't know from firsthand experience, but it's like, well, the idea of how quickly things shift around. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was that was insane because it was like within a week I had an agent and it was like commercial agent is just like you're going out for, you know, fucking Volvo ads or, or Geico ads or whatever. And they pay really good. But I don't you know, a lot of people I, it's just like I don't I don't know if it's if it's that gratifying as a, as a profession. You know what I mean? Right. Just being in commercials. I will say that such non-Wade created shows like Yacht Rock, Water and Power, Classroom, Ikea Heights, Gigabytes, Gigabots, and Gumble, nothing to stick your nose up at. Oh, I was in Classroom. I forgot I was like a mailman in that. And what about Channies? That's not up there. I don't know. Um, for a while, I didn't get. I didn't get any. I think the first one I got, it was like a joke one. It was like best asshole. And I felt like they could have just called it best villain or something, but I want it for best asshole, which felt like very much like an insult. Like it was more, this is a Wade award instead of a Wade acting award. Right. So I threw that one away. What, what do I got? I got, uh, I got, oh, so we, we got best failed pilot for entrepreneurs. One best show for skateboard cop, it looks like. Best writing for Skateboard Cop. I've never won Best Acting, which I'm kind of pissed about. Because I'm pretty sure I'm the best actor in 101. <laughs> if you don't count, if you don't count like Randall Park and Kumail. And and I don't. I mean, they, w- when they're on, <laughs> I'll change that. <laughs> Randall Park did a lot. Kumail just did a few things, but Randall Park did a lot. So I consider him a 101 guy. I think it was in episode two or three of... Wade and Eric sold the movie and you were trying to get someone to ring the doorbell so you you know Wade on the the 101 show oh that one that one was that was Wade and Eric's next show oh and uh, that was uh I think that was a failed pilot okay well it was really funny I'm just being an irresponsible podcaster here but that was a great scene between you and and Randall and you said that kind of like the stuff that you would do with Acosta was very much written but also off the cuff yeah for a lot of me and his stuff let's see like like, I think we always had a script and then we would always kind of fuck around with it. For Sold a Movie, it was a lot more improv. We shot at two cameras so that we could like fuck around. But I've never taken an improv class or anything like that. I just like, I'm good. I'm good with certain people. And Eric is one that I can like fuck around with. Like, I don't think I'm that good of an improver, but if I'm with good improvers, I can sort of get by, you know? I could dig that. Just the idea that some people's creativity is activated more when they're building with someone as opposed to, yeah, I'm on square one by myself in a room. I think that's that's kind of the whole thing with improv is it's like you're not supposed to be nervous because you're a part of a team and they have your back. And so like when you go out on stage or whatever, you're supposed to trust them. And, and it's not it's not supposed to be about you like making people laugh. You know what I mean? And I mean, people make a lot of fun of improv because it's just sort of the worst. But when it's good, it's pretty fucking good.
Here's a sweet moment from episode three of 2005's Gregory Shitcock. Shitcock, what are you doing here? Your movements are more obvious than the 40,000th digit of pi. I beat you once. I can beat you again. Hey, masters. Outside, but you're crippled on the inside. Looks like another case solved by Gregory Shitcock. Take care of Masters for me. You got it, boss. It's been a blast, but I've got to jet. Well, let's go through like little Lil Wade to Wade moves to Los Angeles. I sort of gleam a bit of the story about you and Willie being acquainted in high school, not not really knowing each other. I'm a listener of Real Life Sci-Fi. It's a bodacious podcast you could check out. Where are you from originally? So I'm from Loveland, Colorado. It is like an hour north of Denver and then kind of an hour south of the Wyoming border. Uh, right next to Fort Collins. Fort Collins is where uh, Colorado State is. So Willie and I went to the same high school, but he's my sister's age. He's two years older than me. And so they were friends, but I never really hung out with them because two years back in high school is a lot, right? Yeah. So we, Willie and I both ended up at Colorado State and we both realized that they had a TV station at the same time after being there for a couple of years. So we started fucking around with the TV station. We like made us a sketch show that we did. Once we graduated, it was just like, I kind of just convinced Willie to move to LA with me. Um, we moved out here in 2001, like during 9-11, like we got here September oh, wow. 1st, 2001. And then 9-11 happened and then everything was crazy. And then like four years later, we found out about 101 and so started submitting, sometimes working together, sometimes separate. And that's kind of, yeah, I don't, um, if I didn't find 101, I would probably be back in Colorado because it was like sort of my diving board into like entertainment and networking. And if you move out here with no connections, which we did, it's fucking hard to like even get like a PA job because you're just like, how do I even break into any of this? You know? Right. Yeah. We found that we sort of lucked out. And then Drew Hancock, he also went to CSU with us. He moved out like six months later uh, than we did, or, or I don't know the time frame, but he was around when we first started doing one-on-one. That's why me and him did uh, man-to-man and then shitcock. And uh, yeah, we had, you know, we had like four or five of us CSU people. Most of them have have gone home now. Back to Colorado for a bit. I'm kind of curious. This is a clean slate question for me. And I love asking people, what were the things that set them free? Like, what were the comedies that made them go like, I want to do that? What was in the zeitgeist of your TV watching, movie watching? I fucking suck at this. That set you free and guys <laughs> started as a I'm not like a huge comedy nerd. Like a lot of people are, you know, people like will listen to like Steve Martin records or whatever. Like I was never, I was never like one of those types of people. I mean, I had a camera as a kid growing up that my dad bought for like documenting fucking family vacations. And I just kind of took it over and would make sketches and stuff. I really like high concept stuff. Like back to the future is one of my favorites. Uh, Fuck. 
the thing that really got me into like thinking that I could be a writer in the entertainment industry, I think was mostly being John Malkovich. Because you watch that movie and it's a mainstream movie. It's in theaters, Oscar nominated. And there's a scene where like monkeys are talking to each other and they're subtitled. And I'm just like, this guy is not following rules. Like he's just doing what's funny to him. And I think it's funny. And so if that's what you can do, if you can just do that, if you can just be the funny that you want to be and it'll resonate with people, then maybe, then maybe I have a shot because I never like really looked at sitcoms or anything like that and said like, Oh, set up punchline. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to do a three camera, like cheers. You know, I was never like a big, like joke dude. I was always more of like a story guy. And I think that goes back to just like, you know, like people like me, they like worship Monty Python and stuff like that. I watched Holy Grail and I was just like, I guess, I guess it's funny. I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of dumb. Like, I feel like people are going to hate me because I don't have like those, those comedy influences. You know what I mean? I think that's a great answer though. No matter what you're making, if you're making comedy, you're making it on a level that involves not having had that kind of interest. It kind of puts a bit more awe on you. <laughs> Just a little bit more. It's like he didn't, he didn't watch Seinfeld and go like the path that we did. Oh, listen, I like Seinfeld. The thing I liked about Seinfeld, though, was not really the jokes. It was that they did something that no show I had ever seen did, which they would take the three stories and sort of dovetail them all together yeah. at the end. And I always thought that was super clever. And I'd never seen anyone do it. And so that's what I took away from Seinfeld. Like, you know, Seinfeld is like one of those shows. It's like, you can't try to do Seinfeld. It's like, you know, there's a, I think they're remaking um, I Love Lucy. And it's like, <laughs> but I Love Lucy is entirely a Lucille Ball vehicle. And so like, what is the concept? It's a, it's a whiny wife with a, I like, what is the, con- there's no concept. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's a talent vehicle and that's what Seinfeld was. And so, Yes, Seinfeld like sort of morphed into its own thing, but it started as just like a Jerry Seinfeld project. So I was never like, well, okay. So like Simpsons, I loved Simpsons. Their joke writing, I definitely looked up to for sure. And they also do a really cool format structure thing where the first like five minutes have nothing to do with what the episode's actually about. It's always like their first five minutes story is kind of more of a cold open. And then it just goes off in an entirely different area. And I always really liked that. And no one's really done that anymore. Everything's... Everything's gotten really, really formulaic. A lot of that has to do with just the amount of like producers that are involved and and network notes and stuff like that. Right. So it's hard. It's hard to like sort of like to do something like that. I I don't know. I would I would like to if I ever did sell a show. It would be fun to kind of steal that from Simpsons and just like have really because if you just think of like one funny premise that you have you have no idea where it would go. And then you're just like, oh, well, I can bail on that funny premise and come up with a different funny premise. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? It's just like, it does make it's sense. just a good, it's sort of a cheat to like shoehorn your funny jokes in that you that you don't have a, a plan for. Oh, shit. That right now is a, is a good example of how, I don't know, if when I asked the question, have you thought like, maybe Todd wants a list of comedy influences so that I'll fall in line with what everyone else might say. No, the point of asking that question was getting to know you. And I'm fucking loving it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I do, you know, but like when I grew up, I'm not super old, but I'm old enough where 
I watched every shitty sitcom because it was the only thing. There were only four channels. Yeah. And cable cable wasn't doing anything. What you know, Comedy Central was people doing stand up and stuff like that right. until South Park came around. South Park's another one because that's a Colorado show and like but those guys are just too funny and they're like, well, it's it's mostly Trey. It's just like, so those guys have complete, the reason that show is so good is because they have complete control over it and they always right. have. And I feel like if they would let more people just have complete control, we would, we would see a lot more interesting things like Louis CK, say what you will. He's a, you know, he's an abuser and all that stuff, but his, his show, was it just called Louis CK? What was his, his show called? Is it called? Life with Louis or just Louis? Not the sitcom one, but the one he did for FX where it was oh. just like he had complete controls. It was mostly like it was kind of just like student films and stuff like that. Right. It, it, it wasn't amazing, but he had total control over it. And so he was able to do whatever he wanted with it. And I feel like that's why people liked it. You know, it always depends on the people, I think. Not like I have any inkling of what it's actually like in showbiz, but the person who, I don't know, signed or brought It's Always Sunny on FX gave them total freedom. That's yeah. Well, example. so that was like, those guys sold that show because I think they made a sketch. It was just a sketch or it was like a pitch presentation where it was just, there's a scene and it made it, it made it into one of the future episodes, but it was just, um, I think it was like Char- the they Charlie come over to Charlie's intro? to get, yeah, 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 yeah. They just want the basketball and Charlie's like, I have cancer <laughs> and that was it. So that's, that's like what sold the show. And then, you know, it was, it's always sunny in California. And then they were like, there's too many California shows. Let's put it in Philadelphia. They basically just did a channel one one show. <laughs> We're going to do it ourselves. We're going to do yeah. the kind of thing we want to do. I'm like, how brilliant. When that and when that show, that show is very funny and I like it a lot. And I think all those dudes are funny. But I think when it came out, it was like kind of a sibling rivalry. Like, well, why are these guys getting to do this? Like, why couldn't I get to do this? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And so, you know, I still like the show, but but I never like I never looked up to it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then the fucking um, who are those? Who are those two guys who did the Lego Movie? Uh, and now they've done a million fucking shows. Oh Jesus! What is their fucking names? Do you know who I'm talking about? They're like a they're like a directing writing team. Let me look it up because it's gonna bother me. Oh, Lord and Miller, Christopher okay. Miller, Phil Lord. The reason I bring it up is because they're basically doing one-on-one jokes in the Lego Movie. They're doing like sort of like meta jokes, like fourth wall breaking stuff, and like that was sort of our bread and butter, and so. Seeing other people capitalize on that is just like, God damn it. Like, how did I, how did I fucking miss the boat on this shit? You know what I mean? Right. Kelsey and Wade, or Kels Wade, as I call him, had a streak with business in 2012. Episode five did not do it for the audience, though. But the next month, Kels Wade came back with an animated series. Check this shit out. that a birthday gun? I've told you never to linger by my door like that, Reed. Ignition laser eyes! Oh, I'm going. But just thought you'd want to see what a real birthday present looks like. Oh, also, I can fly now. Damn it! I need a better gun. But you said I was the raddest! Shut up before I melt you down and use you as a replacement part on an 89 LeBaron. Uh, the convertible? No, the hard top. No! I need the biggest, coolest gun you have. And quick, it's for my boss's birthday party in a few hours. Since it's a present, I won't make you fill out any paperwork or anything. Also, this operation I'm running isn't legal. Yeah, and Kevin James wears a toupee and unicorns are beautiful. Just give me the gun. 
you were shown an edit of a one-on-one show that someone you knew was doing. And in January 2005, you would have Man to Man, your first uh, screen show on one-on-one. Uh-huh. Um, how, how did you feel about yourself in terms of what, whatever part of it you took on the biggest, like whether it was writing it or like, uh, how did you feel about yourself then? as a maker. Yeah, no, like extreme, extreme confidence. And, and, and I saw one one I saw what they were doing and I was like, I can do this. I can beat some of these people. Like they're not better than me um, because that's what we have been doing for like at that point, like 10 years or something like that. And it was like the, the skies opening up and, and, and showing us like, yeah, you're, you're, you can fit in here. Like this is where you should be. Cause it was fucking right up my alley. So right. when we got in off man to man, it was just like, okay, this is not going to be a problem. And you know, I, I was right, but I don't know. I don't know if there is a, but I guess I was just right. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like an asshole, but like, that's literally what I said. I, I, I looked at the, at the five shows that were in and this was like, they were, they were shooting the FX pilot at this point. And so they didn't have a screening for like, I don't know, four or five months or something. So we were just waiting every month until they came back. And right. then finally they came back. And so we started, we started submitting. Man to man wasn't, I, I mean, it's a classic. I love it. A lot of people love it, but it wasn't the <laughs> first primetime show. That was the next one, Gregor Shitcock. But was like after, after people saw man to man and they're like, okay, so who is this guy? Like, what was that the moment people were like, I recognize you. I see your voice. We're going to get to know you. You're in our community now yet. No, it wasn't until. It wasn't until Shitcock that um, that we were like really a part of of the community because man to man we fucked up like man to man there was a lot more to that script and so I did that with Drew and uh, he was a director and then we co-wrote it together and so he was editing it and he was just like there's too much here we don't have time and so we didn't even shoot the entire script we just kind of like came up with a new ending and it's weird it's like me on a green screen and I'm just like doing voiceover. We kind of knew that we fucked that up. It was cool that it got in, but it was just like, it was just the learning for Shitcock. It was like, oh, just scale this way back, make it super simple, put a bunch of jokes in it. Once we did that, you know, because once you get prime time, it's like, oh, okay, these guys can do it. And yeah. like, I don't know if they liked my acting or what, but then people just, like I said, we all cannibalized each other and started acting each other's stuff. But also nobody, nobody cares about me. It was, it was, <laughs> it was always Drew. Like Drew, Drew got all the credit. And, uh, and this is not a, uh, this is not a sour grapes thing. It was just the way that it, that it went down. Like I was just kind of the guy in the thing that Drew, I think, cause he co-wrote and directed. And so I was just like the other one. I think a lot of people just gave him most of the credit for it. Well, did that sour the whole experience of that early time or was it just like that? No, aspect? not at all. Because at that time, well, at that time, I don't think it was until later that I realized that was the case, you know, or right. th- or that was the way that I perceived the case. I don't even know if, if any of that's true. That's just what I was thinking during it, you know. Yeah. But no, it never felt it never felt like they were looking at me lesser than Drew or anything like that. I think they just gave him more credit than me. Or maybe I'm just maybe that's just my neuroses. Well, no, like it's, it's- which I have in abundance. <laughs> Oh, we are paired to be host and guest of this podcast. I think. When it came to making the one-on-one shows, even though it's been a, a few years since Entrepreneurs, what was a realm of ideas that you typically had a crush on? What kind of idea? Shit. I don't have a question formed for this. 
Well, how would you come up with the ideas for your shows to ask it in the most basic way? This is actually a really good question because I'm a horrible, as much as I like high concept stuff, I'm horrible at sort of like coming up with premises. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of my shows just don't have premises. Like business was just like, I wanted to do like a Veep kind of thing where it was business people and they were mad at each other. And then like all the Wade and Eric stuff is just like any premise shit that we did was Eric's idea, like each other's butlers. I guess maybe we came up with that together on a phone call, but that's a very, that's a very premise driven show. But most of my shows like skateboard cop is not, and I didn't even invent that because that was just a Seeger just put me in car jumper as the skateboard cop. And then he was like, Hey, make a spinoff. And we were like, all right. But it had nothing to do with like a skateboard cop, really. It was just like, I'm, I, yeah, I'm bad at premises. This is like, it's a fault for sure because like, I think I'm a good writer and I can just kind of write shit, but premises are tough for me. Like, it, especially with Channel 101 stuff, because I like high concept stuff so much. Like, if I were going to write a feature or something like that, I would maybe think like, what's a high concept that like I can make funny? And then go from there. But like, really, it's just like the way I come up with ideas is like, let me think. Like right now I'm writing a thing about professional wrestling just because I've always really liked. I don't know if you've ever followed like WWE. When I grew up, it was WWF and it was same. It was Hulk Hogan and and Randy Macho Man Savage, you know, and like and they had I liked that storyline where they were like they were friends and then they betrayed each other and stuff like that. And do you remember the Rockers? The Rockers was Sean Sean Michael and uh, I think it's Marty Marty Giannetti or something like that. Maybe. And I like that. I like their story. I was just like, oh, I'll write like their story, but like with made up characters and like in today's world. And so. I don't even, yeah, I'm bad at, I'm bad at like coming up with concepts and premises. I just sort of like take stories that I latch onto for some reason and go from there. Like I wrote a, I wrote a spec pilot once about a guy who, who's running for county coroner just because I heard that the county coroner was an elected position. And I was like, well, that's weird. I'll write a fucking pilot about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I kind of suck at premises. You're talking to someone right now who's in love with the idea of writing. I look at writers like people think everyone looks at guitar players. And <laughs> so, but I've, I've never written anything before my first frequency show. You uh-huh. know, we still need more people to submit because I got my first show screened and in prime time. That it shouldn't be that easy. I feel like imposter syndrome. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Well, um, what if you're just that good? What if it just means that you can do it and not that it's a lack of competition? Well, then I got nothing to prove anymore. Fuck Frequency 101. Kiss my ass, everybody. <laughs> I want to get at least to a level where I actually think I'm good. And I can spend at least a week thinking, you know what? I don't even see a time where I won't think this is good. But I am doing an exercise. Well, well but the thing is, well... <laughs> I don't know. I feel like being when you make shit, if there's not a part of you that the entire time is saying this is God awful and I'm a hack. I feel like everybody has that in them where it's just yeah. like constant self-doubt and and constant like, what am I doing here? I'm a huge fraud. Like I'm, I'm on a I'm on a different podcast with my friend Joe Troman called I Hate Myself. And it's about 
like mental health and like depression and anxiety. And we only talk to creatives. We talk to like songwriters and filmmakers and stuff. And the constant theme is people, they all think they suck. Broad complex. Like if you're in Hollywood and you don't have a fraud complex, like you're probably an asshole. You know <laughs> what I mean? Right. So I think, I think that's good. I think the self-doubt is like, because if you didn't have that, then you're just treading water and, and then it doesn't matter. Right. Even though I started this conversation with saying like, I was good enough to do it. And then I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, even with like making a one-on-one show, regardless of the show or the episode, there is a point in the editing process where you're like, this is a piece of shit and no one's going to vote for it. Like, that's just part of the process. Right. Then you you sort of, you work your way through it. You get back to that point, you work your way through it again. And so the whole thing is just like torture. This is part of the thing that I love about getting to know people. When you factor in things like the passage of time, life experience, you know, there's a fascinating twist of things that change. You know, for me to ask the question of, how did you feel at your, about yourself at this point early on? I'm going to ask you now, yeah. looking, looking back at what you've done and what you're doing right now, how do you feel about yourself as a writer, maker of things now? Now it's complicated because I feel like I'm a much better writer than I ever was before. I feel like I have a better grasp on structure and writing and like flow and timing, but... I have never been less sure of myself, mostly because I'm not getting hired. And and here, let me get political, but I have to tell you that this is not sour grapes in any way. I promise you this is not an alt-right ideology or anything like that. They simply are not staffing straight white males. And that's fine. They don't have to. They have no obligation to do that. It's hard in this town where the only jobs you're going to get are through nepotism anyway, for the most part. I mean, that's the reason I was on Rick and Morty is just because I did the Channel 101 thing. But they just they just aren't looking for white writers. And so that's just something I have to pivot and go, okay, well, if I'm not going to be staffing on something, I have to... I have to come up with like my own way to do this. This is capitalism in a nutshell. Like if the regulation takes it away from you, figure out a, a way around it. Right. Yeah. And so that's why I just started trying to sell my own shows and stuff like that. Uh, writing this feature that will probably go nowhere, but it's keeping me busy. It's keeping my chops uh, sort of like intact. Podcasting 101 dictates. I should have asked you really early on what you've been up to. So you, you're, you're writing something that's probably going to go nowhere. Go on. Well, no, I'm just, I'm just that wrestler thing based on the rockers. I'm just like, I'm struggling with that. I didn't outline it thoroughly enough. And now I'm going through like 136 pages and going like, this is a fucking mess. And I suck. And I don't know what I'm doing. And also features are harder to break into than TV because it's like, you know, you've already got to be established. The whole point is right now, I never know if I'm going to work again. And right. it's unsettling, but it's like, if I need to scratch an itch, I'll make another one-on-one show, like, or I'll do a, I've, I've written a, a frequency one-on-one show. I just like started hating it and didn't record it. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, God, I sound like such an asshole, but like, like a shark can't stop swimming, right? Or it'll die. And that's, I think like being a creative is a lot like that, where like, if you stop being creative, you're dead. Like, then what? I have no, I have no other options. Like I could move back home and work in a factory. If those even still exist, I don't even know. (laughs) 
So my whole thing is just like, ah, whatever. They're not going to hire me. I'll try and forge my own. Uh, I'll try and forge my own path. See right. if that gets me anywhere. And if not, you know, I'm an editor. I'll maybe get an editing job. Do you mind if I get a little existential while we're in that? Please zone? do. I love it. You're talking with someone who is creative, also has existential shit, but unlike you, who never risked anything for the sake of being able to make that my income. I've always right. relied on jobs that had nothing to do with creativity for my income. Mm-hmm. Does it make me a better person or a worse person? Does it make my creative life more sufferable or not? I don't think there's a right answer. I will say that your stuff is fucking good, man. I think <laughs> if you make a point of never stopping and do it for me, if anyone. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but but that's the thing. Like, I didn't risk anything. I moved. I moved to LA straight out of college. If it didn't work out, it didn't work out. There was no there right. was no risk. I didn't I didn't leave a job or anything like that. My degree is in journalism. I don't want to be a fucking reporter. I respect reporters. Yeah, uh, I took broadcasting. Like especially yeah. So it's like kind of the same thing. Like a communication sort of degree where you really. The only thing I learned in college is like how to, I learned how to edit. I learned how to like shoot things properly. I learned how to light things. You know what I mean? And yeah, I took like one, one screenwriting class, but like it was not a risk. And if I hadn't done that and I had just like gotten some job or something as, as many of my classmates did, right? they're probably just as fulfilled as I am. Probably more. They all are married and have kids and I've been uh, stuck in LA, like trying to fucking be a writer. Uh, when I die, I have no legacy. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I took a weird turn there, but like, <laughs> I guess at this point, I'm all in. And that's why, like, the fact that they're not hiring me right now doesn't really bother me because I know that it's not like a reflection of my talent. And I know that there's multiple opportunities opening up, especially with like cables dying, everything streaming now. There's like a lot of avenues to go down now. Yeah. Uh, and it, it wasn't like that 10 years ago. And, and like Smosh, Smosh was a big thing when, it, when I was younger and we were already doing 101 and then Smosh became a thing. It was like, why the fuck are these guys bigger than we are? Yeah. Because we're putting all our shit on YouTube too. But I think the answer is they're like young, good looking dudes. And we're like schlubby fucking like writer, filmmaker people who like preteens don't want to watch. You know what I mean? <laughs> that being said, so so now it's like blurring even further where every network, every like mainstream, NBC, CBS, Fox, they, they all have their own like streaming platform now. Yeah. And so you can you can pitch to is it CBS that does Peacock. No, that's NBC. You can pitch to NBC or you can pitch to Peacock. And so it's like, great. It's like, oh, I don't have to do like Seinfeld. I can do something weird and maybe they'll put it on Peacock. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, it's cool because like everyone has sort of like broken off into into like more of like an FX, like cable sort of like, you know, like everything that you would see on on, on these streaming channels is more like always sunny than it is. Steinfeld, you know, right. and I, and that's encouraging. There's just a lot more places to go. Are you a Wade Randolph stand, motherfucker? It's probably because of this show. 2007's Murder Down. Who's this? Remember just now when I was telling you about the motorbike? This is the girl who's going to sell it to me. 
Do you even know my name, Screwboy? Her name is Julia Styles. Julia Styles. You can act for miles, Julia Styles. Julia Styles is in Save the Last Dance, where she overcomes tragedy with dance, riding on trains, going to gym class, meeting new people, and kicking their ass. When her mother dies, she moves in with her father, goes to a school where the kids don't get her. Then she meets this dude and thinks he's an asshole, but it turns out he's really slamming. Then there's dancing and lots more dancing. All the shit happens, and then more dancing, dancing sessions, and learning life lessons, experience racism, and laughing it off. So in the end, she accomplishes her dream. She gets into Juilliard by dancing, and there's no loose ends to tie up whatsoever. It ain't no bitch. I don't even know why it started, bitch. For the service of uh, being able to do a podcast for 101. Okay, yeah. What's your favorite Channel 101 show that you've done? And least favorite, I would have to say. Hmm, I would have to say my favorite is Murder Town because that was the one that I did completely alone. I guess if I had any doubts about myself at that time, I proved that like I didn't need to like work with anyone else to to succeed in that venue. Right. Right. I don't know if it's the best thing that I've done, but I think it's probably the thing I'm most proud of. My least favorite is like it definitely has to be. I guess I, I guess I would say there's a show I did called with Eric during our top field pilot run. We had like four top field pilots in a row and we did a show. I don't even know if it got in. I don't wait. Did it? I think it got in. It was called Axel Rose's Paradise City Apartments. And I think it, um, I think it did. Sorry. I'm like, I have a list. The five minute cut of it is bad. Like there's a seven minute cut that exists and it's really good. Um, what does that but mean? The five minute cut is bad. What happened is we we had a seven minute version of it, and we're like, "This is really good." We're not really good. Like this is good, but we have to lose two minutes, and like those two minutes were everything. You know, we we cut them, and we probably got last in that fucking screening. It, it, it was not. It was not a good show. But I think I I got the because Raúl, our buddy Raúl, I want to say Fernandez. He's a good friend of mine, and I feel bad. Anytime I try to think of someone's name off the top of my head, I can't do it. He shot and edited it, and so I, I asked him for the seven-minute cut, and I think it's on my YouTube. It's a lot better than the five-minute cut. But that's the only one, like, as a whole, even though I just said Murder Town is, is my favorite one, episode four of Murder Town, is a f- is, it sucks. It's a fucking shit show. Like, <laughs> episodes, I have episodes that I hate that I've right. made. I think that can count. Memory is a tricky thing. And, Fair. Uh, you know, I couldn't tell you my favorite single episode just because there's been so many. Maybe Shitcock 3. Okay. The Punch episode one is so, for me, the first time I saw it, I'm just like, like the, that was me seeing uh, a team and individuals within that team going, yeah, we'll, we'll go there. We'll show you this. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the that. Pun- I, the, well... <laughs> But the punch was another version of the audience calling our bluff and going like, okay, so yeah, you can make a show about a man punching a woman. Uh, Can you do it twice? And the answer is no. (laughs) Like we could not, we got totally canceled on the second one. Um, And that just, that just, that concept, like I said, I'm bad at concepts that came out of, um, there's a show called The Slap. I think it was a big Australian show. And then they tried to do it in America and everyone was like, what the fuck is this? It was about a dad or an uncle who like slapped a kid 
at a picnic or a barbecue and right. it caused like a huge, it was a drama and it caused like a huge rift through the family. And I was like, it's the dumbest premise ever. Let's make a fucking one-on-one show out of it. Right. Um, but yeah, then they, they called our bluff and uh, we, we ate our own tail. <laughs> but had fun with it, right? It's always fun. I mean, that's the thing. Like if you're going to make a one-on-one, if you're going to make anything, like have fun on set. Don't be fucking stressed out about it. Cause why do it if you're not enjoying it? Don't take it seriously. Shoot it in a day or two. Be fun. Give people fucking food. Don't be a cheapskate. And uh, and like be in a good mood because it translates. You listening to this, we're like we're hearing from this from we're hearing this from someone who's been around since pretty much the beginning. And I have a crush on every era of Channel 101, right up to and including my fucking self. <laughs> it means a lot to know, like, I mean, that that's a good thought process to have, especially when someone discovering the library that is the Channel 101 website, it would be good to know that there was an element of that in pretty much everything from like the, the early stuff that big celebrity Jack Black's in all the way through trading right. up. Damn, I would love to be on the set yeah. of trading up. You know, it's COVID safe as it has to be. Right, yeah. What's your favorite show by or episode by someone else? Oh, oh, this is easy. Well, oh shit. You know what? I'll fold these answers into themselves because uh Laser Fart, I don't remember the episode, I don't remember the number. It might have been three, but it was where they go to Dracula's house and Rob Schraub plays Dracula. There's just so many like sort of like uh Zucker Brothers jokes, and that's not an insult, that's a compliment. Just like, you know, kind of meta fourth wall shit. I love that episode of Laser Fart and it inspired me. And then, and this goes back to what you were saying about like what inspired you to like be a writer in the first place. And I was already trying to be a writer when I saw Heat Vision and Jack. Heat Vision and Jack is a failed pilot that Harmon and Schraub did, starring Jack Black, directed by Ben Stiller. Owen Wilson is in it. Yeah. Right. Owen Wilson. Right. Yeah. And and Christine Taylor. Right. Wow. And it's a, it's a it's a talking motor. Owen Wilson is the voice of a talking motorcycle, and Jack Black is a man who gets smart. He's the world's smartest man, but only when the sun is out. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw that, and I was like, Oh my god! Like, and they produced that pilot, and it's insane. And so I was like, Holy shit! Like, if you're excited enough about something, and you write something well enough. You can make some stupid network. I don't know if it was Fox or whatever, like pay for you to make a, a talking motorcycle show. Yeah. And that was just like reaffirming of my Charlie Kaufman. Like this guy's doing whatever the fuck he wants. And so are these guys. And Laser Fart, the, the vampire one was the same thing. I was just like, this is great. He's doing whatever the fuck he wants. And uh, yeah, easy answer is that it's that episode. That's a good one. One thing I would ask at the end of my other show is, What's the worst thing someone could say to you about you that would hurt you? And then what's the best thing someone could say to you about you that would opposite of hurt you? I think it's more insightful, maybe, for me to ask you, and you can decide. My other question, what do you think others would say about working with you that have worked with you? All right, which, which, where, where are we starting? Do you like the question... Do you like the first one? Where it's like, what's the what's the worst thing that someone could say about you? Yeah, I, listen, no, these are great questions. It's very in, uh, actor studio uh, sort of like, what, what, uh, yeah. what could God tell you? I don't know what I stole it from years ago, but I stole it from someone probably. These aren't questions that I'm good No, enough. they're good. They're good. Hmm. The worst, hmm. God, it's hard because I've been called ugly on YouTube and 
that hurts because I remember it. And I'm like, oh, I'm ugly. That sucks. But then, but then you're like, oh, but YouTube is just like 12 year olds uh, trying to get attention or something. I would, you know, I would say, I would say it depends on who's telling it to me. If I respected them and they said I'm not a good enough writer, it would destroy me. Like if they knew and they told me like you, this is not, you're not good enough. Then it would be like, well, I wasted 40 years of my life. What do I do now? Right. But then the other side of that is like, why would I listen to them even if I do respect them? Because I don't know what they're going through or, or, or how they're judging that. Right. Like if Charlie Kaufman read my script and he said, you suck, you're a fucking hack. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like I would be like, fuck Charlie Kaufman. Like he doesn't know what he's talking about. So I don't even know if this is the right answer because I obviously would just move on. Like I'm very, right. I'm very much like a duck with water on its back. I don't, I don't like, I don't pay attention to these things. Um, <laughs> Ducks go black. The black. worst thing someone dogs go bork borks. <laughs> <laughs> what country are you from? <laughs> that was Wade and Eric sell a movie episode one, I believe. Yeah, I've developed a thick skin, man. I don't know that yeah. there's a thing that someone could tell me that I would that I would take to heart. I really don't. Right. They could say that I'm selfish. If someone told me I was selfish, it would ruin me. If they really believe that, because I right. because I, I pride myself on empathy and 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 like being there for people. So if if someone really believed, you know, that actually this is like people like I talked earlier about the best asshole award. The reason I hated that so much because I was like, Dude, is this the way people see me? Do they think I'm an asshole? Because I don't believe I'm an asshole. I believe that I'm charismatic and fun. <laughs> right. Uh, so I do have a chip on my shoulder about that. Like I've, I've worked on like not having a bad attitude and, and stuff like that. So yeah, if someone said that I was just like a selfish piece of shit and I believe them, that would kind of destroy me. It's, it's kind of like the, if you think you might be crazy, you're probably not crazy. Crazy people don't know they're crazy. So they'll say I'm not crazy. Well, but yeah, maybe. It, yeah. I, I know I'm just throwing something really elementary at you, but I'm like, fuck man, this guy didn't know me and he gave me, Almost two hours of, of his time for my podcast. Least selfish person. Let me get three, world. dude. I, I got nowhere to go. <laughs> so that's how I made all this Channel 101 stuff happen during the pandemic. I got them when they were down. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but no, this this is a conversation. This is this is two people talking, getting to know each other. There's no perfect answer. I what mean, would it, yours be? What would yours be? You know what? I've asked a million people, not a million, but never thought of my own answer. Is this what I've been putting other people through? Yeah, it's tough, right? Yeah. Because because it, it it requires amount of self reflection that maybe you're not even capable of. Like somebody could somebody could like tell me something about myself that I didn't even that I wasn't even aware of, and that that would suck too. But because I'm me and I don't, I'm not sure about that, all I'm thinking is like perspective and 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 what I think other people see of me. Well, I think I've spent a lot like. I used to be the kid who was, fuck, even early 20s kind of person that took everything to heart, to the max. Every, yes, every, everything I was that, like that too. And then I did a lot of work over a lot of years going the opposite way. I might have even overcompensated internally to the point where I almost can't be... A f <laughs> like there are things where I, where I don't even... It doesn't even phase me where, that should phase me. Not like robotic, like I, I don't have a soul. I just mean like... No, no, no. 
if someone says something nice about anything I do, I'm internally going, I'm enjoying this moment of positivity, but I don't think that I'm better because they think I'm good or something like that. I, I guess I don't have I an think, answer. Yeah, yeah, no, like, so... Well, but it, it, I feel like you're a lot like me. Like, I, I, I feel like fitting in was a big struggle of mine growing up. I always wanted to be, like, on the next level of, like, popularity than I than I ever was, right? Right. But that's academic. It's like, it's like literally, it's when you're in fucking school, and that shit is, is, is like, skewed. And right. so it, it's not like a, it's not really a reflection of who you are as a person. And I think once I realized that, and once I found out, that I could sort of infiltrate any group of friends and like fit in that it, that, that it was like, I get, well, shit, I guess that's, uh, what's my point. My point is, yeah, I developed a thick skin just like you where you can't insult me anymore. Like I don't, yeah. you couldn't say anything to me. I don't care what you think, you know? No, I get it. Like, even if my mom said she didn't love me, I would be like, well, you don't believe in wearing a mask when you go out. So I don't care about your, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. yeah, you take it, you take it by, by who gives it to you. And like, everyone sucks. Every, everyone's not perfect. So who cares? Right. The last creator credit, I think for all three, Wade Randolph, Kelsey Abbott and Kurt Neal is this super rad yet undervoted masterpiece. 2018's Entrenoobs. Roll clip. I can't believe the sharks not only hated my business idea, but me. They hated me as a person. It was a good business idea, and you're a good person. Whoa, Taylor, you actually built a working prototype? Of course not, Jonathan, you silly Billy. I believe in this idea, and I want to prove a point. But it's still cardboard. Who are you? All right, all right, all right. They didn't like that business. We need to have a uh, good old-fashioned bee store. Thomas, bitch storm? You can't say bitch just because Taylor's a girl. I thought B-Storm stood for brainstorm. I'm turning 50 next month. I gotta keep it fresh to the death with the lingo, you know? It's October, right? So why don't we do something Halloween related? Oh, yeah, that's good. Um, We could do a, a candy corn factory. Or a coal corn factory. Or a jack-o'-lantern factory. Please, joke ideas? What the fuck are you guys talking about? Yeah, mine was a joke. Okay, guys, what is Halloween really about? Boop. <sighs> just had a heart attack. Spookin'. Let's make a haunted house! So, you're looking for an investment in your haunted house? Yes. Also, do you have any sauce? Because this delightful trifold is dreadfully dryfold. Uh, firstly, very funny. Secondly, this is a law office. Uh, we do not have sauce. So, really, you've never ordered takeout. I bet you have a fucking bunch of sauce packets back there, and I'm gonna find them! Deal, 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 deal. No, I am in the midst of talking to a lot of people that I know creatively. Back home, there's lots of talented people out there. I think 101 is a great, great fucking place. For me, it's the people, it's the community, it's the collaborative environment and the chance to make a bunch of great shit. Once you get past knowing what the, how it functions, voting, panel, screenings and all that, there's no reason more people shouldn't be doing it. But I think a lot of yeah. people who have never done it before, don't know too much about it, they might think of ideas and they, they just don't like any of them because they're overthinking it like I did. Or they're thinking, I, I don't know if I have the resources to, to make and edit stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And f first of all, yeah, you do. Especially now. Everyone has them. I mean, you have a phone. You have all you need almost for, look at what Mike McCafferty makes. It's awesome. It's, 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 it's never been more accessible because you can shoot it on whatever you want. We used to have to buy cameras and, and fucking shoot it on DV tapes and shit like that. And get a boom mic and... 
now you can just shoot it on your phone. And I'm pretty sure there's a million like free editing things. Like you don't even have to pay for an editing software or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think Entrepreneurs was 2018. So maybe haven't done one-on-one stuff in a little while, but I feel like there's nuggets in you that you feel and believe that are uh, two to a small handful of reasons that whoever's listening right now, who's not participated, who's on that fence, why the fuck should they do it? Why not? Why not's a good one. I'm going to put that. That's mine. Uh, the rest are weights here. Okay. So I think if you're driven, I think if you're interested at all, like even if you're interested at all, you should just do it. I'm, I'm like, yes, ending your why not? I think like there's no downfall. There's no, there's no reason not to. I'm, I'm just parroting why yeah. not. Hey man, with my frequency I show, I just parroted Wade and Eric sell a movie. If it interests you, then there's a passion there and you should do it to fulfill that need to do it, right? Like if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested in it, there's no reason not to because yes, I'm just saying why not. But <laughs> the, what, what the, the downside is you don't get in and then, you know, lick your wounds and come back. Like there's, there's <laughs> yeah. literally the stakes could not be lower. Um, I need three, I need three of these. I, I don't know. Like you, whatever you had, I put you on the spot. Well, no, 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 I can, I can come up with more. Um, it's a great community. It's a welcoming community. It's a meritocracy, which is rare these days. Uh, a lot of people don't believe it's a meritocracy, but it is. It's a good sort of clean slate way to know if you are a storyteller or not. And if you're not, there's a million books you can read and get better. It's not It's not an innate thing. It is an innate thing, but you can always get better at it. Third reason, it's a lot of fun. You, you, you'd have fun doing it. Like, And if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. Like, You should be having fun. Make a show with your friends. Drink beers. Don't take it seriously. Hang out. Do some fucking stupid shit in front of a camera. That's it. I like it. Those are great reasons. And I, I'm going to be addressing in every episode of this podcast, both the listener that's never done a show for one-on-one before yet. This podcast is also a love letter to the community of people who have done stuff, whether it's been since 2005 or 2003. I've had chats already with my other podcasts with people who just came into it like within the time that I've been watching it. And it's like, we're all fans coming to it, yeah. which is... I hope it never goes away. And I'm doing this podcast for 101. So I'm just doing a bunch of shitty talking and I'm trying to like weave shit and it's not making any sense. I'll cut together like a, an outro thing. I don't want to take up any more of your time. There's a sweet library, channel101.com, the Wade Randolph page. I will link in the episode notes. I also think you should check out Real Life Sci-Fi, which is a podcast you can get on all the things that have podcasts. I use Apple Podcasts. I'll link that to you also. How, how, how else do you want people to connect with you or what else do you want for people to check out? I guess my stock answer for this is, uh, sorry, I'm pouring another drink. I don't know if you can hear this. I'm not urinating. Um, <laughs> my stock answer. Well, first I, I mentioned, uh, I hate myself with Joe Troman. I'm like the sidekick on that show. I don't say a lot, but, uh, I'm proud. I'm proud of it because I think it's like, we're getting, we're getting to an era where, where mental health is, uh, losing its stigma. And there's a lot of, you know, depression, anxiety, like people don't have families who understand that stuff. And, and, uh, we're getting to a point where now it's becoming more prevalent and, uh, we're just trying to help, uh, let people who are suffering from these things know that like mostly everybody has it and you're not weird. 
especially if you're creative. I don't know. It goes hand in hand in some weird way. Yeah. So check that out wherever you get podcasts. And then my, my dumb stock answer is I've been making uh, TikToks very infrequently. And you can find me at Randolph on TikTok. If you're on TikTok out there, and I know a lot of you are, check that out. I would get it just to watch Wade or other one-on-one people I don't probably already don't know are on it. Um, I don't know if a lot of them are doing it. You know, Nick Hurley is is very prevalent on there. I know Lars Mittune. Uh, Jen Ruiz is is on TikTok and she's really okay. good. She does like stop motion stuff. Uh, our buddy, um, he's one-on-one adjacent. I think he wrote on Rick and Morty once I left. Tony Zaret is on there. Tony Zaret is uh, our New York one-on-one friend. He's very big on it. I guess I'm just saying, like, there's more on TikTok than, like, dancing. Yeah. Well, Kelsey's on it. Kelsey does funny oh. cartoons on it. Nice. Dave Horowitz. He's a uh, he's funny on TikTok. I think he's writing on Rick and Morty now. Right on. Um, so whatever. Get on TikTok. I don't know. Fuck it. Sell all your info to China. <laughs> Who cares? This podcast features music used with permission from the Holocene EP by Postmodern Machine, available wherever you get bandcamp.com, but please visit postmodernmachine.com. This has been Primetime Flies, a Channel 101 podcast hosted by Todd Donald. Thanks for listening. <laughs>